This is Radiance Tape Number JD131, a message by Jim Durkin, entitled, The Power of Your Soul. I am going to read something here, and then I want you to do something with me. I want to first of all read from the 103rd Psalm. I just want you to listen, and we read these words. Now, here's the psalmist. I used to really think about David as a lightweight Christian that all I could ever see that he did is going around sticking swords in people and hitting giants in the head, and uh, that wasn't for me. I wanted more of the Christian who looked up to heaven and folded his hands and walked around a spiritual plane. But the more I began to study the Psalms, the more amazed I was at the amazing ground God caused this man to cover. Some of the most precious prophecies concerning our Lord Jesus Christ, Psalms 22, a marvelous description of not only the Lord on the cross, but the thoughts that went through his mind as he hung there. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Profound, prophetic. He's quoted in the New Testament more than once. Uh, the range of subjects he covered was myriad. But this particular one, this man had insight into the nature of man himself. He understood how he was put together and how he functioned. And in those marvelous pieces of poetry that we know as the Psalms are marvelous revelations of his insight into man. We'll get into some of those as we go along. But here in the 103rd Psalm, here this man is speaking. He says, bless the Lord, O my soul. Now here he is speaking to something. See? Just like it said, and Jonathan loved David as his own soul. See, Jonathan loved David as his own soul. So here we see like entities. Jonathan, an entity. A soul being a very real part of him. But yet a separate part of some inner man who could say, I love him as I love my own soul. Not the same thing as say, I love him as I love myself. There's a part there that we can make later on. But you'll see a differentiation between the inner man, spiritual man, and this instrument which God has given him, which is very real part of him, never to be separated, though there is a dividing point between spirit and soul. But he is able to say something about, I love this man as I love my own soul. All right, now, David now is speaking and saying something, Bless the Lord, O my soul. And all that is within me, bless his holy name. Now, question, to what or to whom is he speaking? What is this thing that operates within us that, let's say, overeating is a problem with us, and we intellectually have studied about the problem of overeating? We have physical discomfort because we are overweight. It is creating maybe a problem, breakdown, early breakdown of our organs and so forth, and we're possibly bordering on heart attack or something like this. And we say, I know I should not do this. Now we're speaking. I know I should not do this. I will not do this. Now here's the will saying, I will not do this. So we go to a place and we're saying, I will not do this. I've made up my mind. It is clear to me that this is an unhealthy thing, an improper thing. Not, we may even go so far as say, it is an ungodly thing. And yet somewhere down deep inside is a voice saying, we can laugh at it. But it's also a disastrous thing, unless that thing is finally brought under control. Now, I say this about myself because this has been a particular problem with me. Other things have given way. Somehow, something deep-rooted within me, there can be a voice just as clear as anything. See what I'm saying? Will not do that. I know it is improper. It is ungodly. I've even said such things. I do not have the right to do this to the body of people who look to me for direction, to bring myself to an early grave or to... Many, many things I could say, and many things maybe many others have said. And yet something inside says, eat. Eat. Quiet, but after a time, very insistently, quietly insistent, says, eat. Eat. Do that. And then the mind somehow is able to do, and the will, a complete turnaround, and come up with a perfectly logical reason for eating. Now, David is speaking to his soul and saying, and many times I've had to do this to my own soul. 
Bless the Lord, O my soul. And the voice within me, I don't feel like blessing the Lord. But we should praise the Lord. I feel rotten. Let us lift our hands and praise the Lord. People are looking at me. I don't want to do that. See? And on and on this, you know, they say, if you talk to yourself, you're crazy. Well, uh, most people talk to themselves all the time. They just never admit that they do this, you know. And someone said, well, it's not so bad to talk to yourself when you start answering the questions. Then you're in trouble. Well, most people answer the questions, too. Say, I'm not supposed to eat. Eat, eat, eat. Well, I don't want to eat. See, who are you talking to? See, you know, people say, who are you speaking to there? See, they really know if they would get around to being honest with themselves. No, there's this strange division of the human personality into compartments. Now, God never intended to be that way. He intended, as I say, the spirit to be ruled over by God. Spirit to spirit. Our spirit being witnessed to by his spirit, that we are children of the living God, and our spirit hearing his spirit, and giving that direction, so spirit, soul, and body perfectly expressing the nature of the Lord Jesus Christ. All right. Now, David is speaking here, says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget none of his benefits. Soul is very quick to forget God's benefits. When the soul of the Israelitish people in the wilderness were satisfied with food or water or whatever it would be that God would send along. They would complain for it. They would receive it. Then a little bit later, maybe it would be a dry place, and they would say, you brought us out here, Moses, to kill us, and it's God that's going to cause us to perish in this wilderness. We wish to go back to Egypt through our leeks and garlics and so forth and so on. And here David is saying, forget none of his benefits, O my soul. It's a soul that tends to forget. See, we can remember in our spirit, yes, I remember, I remember. The soul says, well, I've had it with this, and I've had it with that, and I'm not going to, and I will not. Now, something needs to bring that soul into line and say, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not his benefits. Well, I feel that, I stop. Forget not his benefits. He heals all of your diseases. He pardons all of your iniquities. He redeems you from the pit. Bless the Lord. Oh, my son, that 103rd Psalm is actually an instruction of David to his soul. And he ends it up saying, Bless the Lord, all you his hosts, you who serve him doing your will. Now, here he's speaking to someone. Bless the Lord, all you works of his. He's speaking to something. And now he says, In all places of his dominion, ends it up by saying, Bless the Lord, O my soul. Now, I'd like us to sing that little chorus says, Bless the Lord, O my soul. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Bless the Lord, O my soul. And all that is within me. Bless his whole to stop and think about that for a minute. What were you doing? Were you singing to God? Was this a song to God? No, the whole subject matter is not addressed to God. The subject matter is addressed to something else. The subject matter is addressed to something that I'll be dealing with these next few weeks. Something the Bible calls the soul. That aspect of you which feels thinks in a certain area, there's a different thinking part of you also, your intellectual part, the will, it is affected by the conscience and yet it can resist the conscience until it becomes seared. It can harden itself or it can become gentle and tender. It can hate, though God never intended it to hate. It can love, but it must be trained to love. I wonder if you would just stop for a moment and take up these inspired words of Scripture and just say to your own soul and to every soul here, Bless the Lord, O my soul. Would you just say that? Bless the Lord, O my soul. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Bless the Lord, all my soul.
Now, Father, we pray in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that you, through the Holy Spirit, cause your word to come alive. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you hover over this place and move through the hearts of those whom you possess that are here, O Lord. And that you open the word of God to us, for you are the true teacher of the things that the Father has given to the Son, Jesus, and you're here to guide us into all truth. Tonight, Lord, from the word of God, guide us into all truth. Holy Spirit, we submit to your instruction and your guidance. I pray, blessed Spirit of the living God, that you anoint me and you anoint the hearts of this people so that we shall be one in our desire, even as a heart pants after water. Oh God, let it be that our souls desire thee, pant after thee, O oh God, that our spirits yearn to be utterly filled with your presence and overwhelmed with it. Lord, that our very flesh trembles the blessing of your spirit. Grant that, precious Father. All right, now, we're going to take several scriptures tonight. I think it's time to lay a careful scriptural groundwork for what we are going to follow with here in the next two sessions. I would like you now to turn with me, please, to 1 Thessalonians. Now, there are two things that I'm going to point out here, but first, the scripture. 1 Thessalonians 5.23, verse 22 says, Abstain from every form of evil. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely, and may your spirit and soul and body be preserved complete without blame at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now notice some things about this. One, Paul here, his prayer, his wish for them is that their spirit, one thing, their soul, one thing, their body, be preserved complete. Now this is to be contrasted with, and we'll bring this scripture out a little bit later, this is to be contrasted with something that Paul spoke about the man who took his father's wife in 1 Corinthians, and he said, I have judged this matter already. Take that wicked person and put him out from among you, and I have turned him over to Satan that his flesh may be destroyed, that his spirit will be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. Notice the prayer of Paul. My prayer for you is that you will, see, verse 22, abstain from every form of evil. Now, he said, and I pray that your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved complete, without blame. Now, spirit, soul, body. Almost every person, when they are mentioning those three words, completely reverse the order, though you never find it reversed in Scripture, and they will say, body, soul, and spirit. Showing by the very nature of our training that our primary emphasis is on the body, to which we give our thought, our mentality, our whole being, because the world is not even convinced that a soul or a spirit even exists. But the body, we're very conscious of it because we can feel it, we can see it, we can so forth and so on. But always in Scripture... God puts the order of importance, your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved complete without blame, the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So then, man is three parts. Now, they're not like, here's a part, here's a part, here's a part. These are united together, and they are meant to be united together. There's meant to be a flow of spirit, soul, through the body, and the expression of the nature of God in that. Man is made in God's image, after his likeness. He has the ability to know God and the ability to express the nature of God in this life that we now live. That will take place only as we do what it says in Romans 12:1, that we are to be not conformed to this world, or as Philip says, we're not to allow the world to squeeze us into its mold, and the world is always working to do that, to squeeze us into the mold so that our spirit 
becomes cramped or separated from God or at least in a place of condemnation that it no longer can call upon God in faith so it loses its power to hear God and to transmit the truth of God in an authoritative way. The soul rises up and does its own thing, says, this is the way I feel and this is what I'm going to do, or this is what I think and nobody's going to change me, or this is what I will to do and I'd like to see anybody get in my way. And I... See, this I, 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 I. Now, when God created man, he first created the body. Now, separate. Here was simply the body created. Then God breathed into man the breath of life, and man became spirit, acting upon this flesh, man became a living soul. So here, spirit, body created physically, and the two, man became a living soul. All right. Now, Spiritual part, capable of knowing God. Soul part, instrument of expression. We'll get into how it's designed and what it's designed to do. The body, the physical instrument of expression on this earth. You will not have this body always. This body, one of two things will take place. You will either go by way of the grave, which this body will decompose. There will be a resurrection, but not of this body, but of a glorified body. A body like unto his own glorious body, whereby he's able to subdue all things unto himself. We are not meant to be unclothed, but to be clothed upon by our body from heaven. Other thing that could happen, the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, and he calls us to be with him, says we shall not all sleep, or not all go by way of the grave, but we shall all be changed. In a moment of twinkling light, the last trump, we shall be caught up in this corruptible, shall put on incorruption. But these three parts of us are meant to be that way throughout all eternity, spirit, soul, and body. And God says he prays that your spirit be preserved complete. Not damaged, twisted, ruined, broken, crushed, defeated, destroyed, losing its faith. Your soul, not full of hatred, envy, malice, wrath, debate, strife, malignity, whispering. Your soul, your body, not filled with disease, broken down, ruined, destroyed by bad living. Your whole spirit, soul, body be preserved complete the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So what we're going to be studying then is those parts and how God wants us to deal in this area of the soul, which is a really troublesome area, that you may retrain this soul, which as we're going to see from Scripture, has been trained wrong. It has been trained completely in opposition to God so that it's thinking, acting, feeling, being are literally today in opposition to God. And the process of sanctification, the work of sanctification, though you may take the position that it's instantaneous, that's a position of faith. Or you may take it that it's the process, period of time, progressive sanctification. That isn't the point when we're dealing with the sanctification of the soul or the training of the soul. There's a manifestation of that which you have a part in bringing about. It is not all, well, I leave it all up to God. It's not that way at all. It is such scriptures that work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. That brings you into divine cooperation with the Holy Spirit to work out that process in God. All right, now, first of all, then let's look at the first part that we should take notice of, the body itself. Now, turn to John 1.14. One of the most clear in its nature, verse 14. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. Now notice what it says. The word, Jesus, ever existent with the Father, eternal and pure spirit, from the very bosom of the Father, became flesh, came and dwelt among us, and that word, as we read it there, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. The word is really tabernacled among us. For the word there dwelt is the same as the word tabernacle, and that word tabernacle means tent. Now, it simply means the glorious, eternal Son of God ever at the hand of the Father, the one whom he commanded all the angels of God should worship him, he emptied himself of his heavenly glory, came down to this earth and was clothed upon by a tabernacle of flesh. Now, it's important to understand that this body, then, is a tabernacle or a tent in which we dwell. 
It is empowered by spirit and soul. If the soul becomes weary, the flesh says, I'm weary. If suddenly the soul springs to life, strangely enough, the body can spring to life right behind it. Come in and say, I'm just exhausted. I just, I've reached the end of it. I can never make another move. I just, I must lay down immediately and sleep two, three days without end. I must, and we go on about this, you know, and, so, and then someone call up and do say something exciting. And our soul says, whoo, I want to do that. I say, where did tiredness go? Fantastic, this energy. Yes, that's right. See, it's the soul within us which becomes weary, not the flesh. Now, there is a weariness of the flesh also. But most of us, when we are tired, are not really weary in the flesh. We can sit at the office throughout the day, sit there from 9 to 5. I'm just so tired, I can't move. I just... Well, now you know the flesh is not weary. It hasn't been doing anything. You've been sitting there all day, move a pencil a little bit like this, pick up a phone like this. Oh, I'm just exhausted. It's the soul that's exhausted. It says the soul, I'm bored to death. What a drag. What a terrible life. Oh, wow, man. See, I just, oh, just drag out of here. And somebody say something exciting. Oh, this is the life. And, uh, see, and suddenly the body is responds again. All right, so we see the body then is also an instrument of expression of the soul and the spirit. Now, I say it was meant the spirit, and sometimes we see this. Sometimes we can see it in a preacher. I hope you see it in me, where the anointing comes on. And then this anointing flows through the soul and out through the body of the person, and he begins to expound on the Word of God. Or you see it, somebody gets up to sing, like our brother got up to sing tonight. Now, that wasn't a fleshly thing he did. And if it were, then we would say, God forbid. That's improper. But he was feeling something in God. Something moved his spirit. And he reached up and said, I have a song to sing. Or like the psalmist said, my tongue is the pen of a ready writer. He was ready to sing. He was like a harp and a, all the wonderful instruments that were within him. He says, I just cry out to be able to. Well, yes. Now, you see, if he didn't have a body, he could still do that, but it would only be in the spiritual realm. So the body then, God has given us vocal cords. God has given us hands. God has given us faces that are mobile and they move and express. God has given us bodies that move and a mind that understands deep with inside how to change the body in a certain way and express something. And the body becomes, if we will allow it, a marvelous instrument of expression, expressing gentleness or expressing tremendous vigor. I was with somebody a little while back and he was showing me kind of like how you can become angry, you know. And he said, and at a time he jumped up and he said, when I feel angry, it's like, kill, kill, kill. See, I said, well, now that isn't expressing gentleness, you know. I say, yeah, see, now I say, but that same body which can say, Jesus is so gentle and kind, or my wife is so beautiful, or the body of Christ is so, could turn around and say, what is this thing that takes over this body and just, See? We're never meant to experience those things. We're never meant to experience wrath or hatred or violence. Never meant to experience anger or malice. Never meant to experience... Yet it's capable of experiencing that. See? Spirit, soul, body. Now, the body is an instrument of expression. Now, my body, though, is not meant to experience much of certain types of emotions. Love, my body can experience love endlessly, the love of God. It thrives on it, it grows on it, it heals, it liberates. My mind is able to function and there's a joy and I say, oh, it's good to be alive. And my body is saying, yes, 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 this is it. And the juices of life are flowing. It's wonderful. See, I sometimes I go in and I look at my wife and I say, oh, I want you to know I love you. I love you. And she puts her arms, I love you. See, oh, that's healing. That's deliverance. That's saying. But there are other times when this body in my lifetime has experienced anger, experienced wrath for long periods of time, just even worse than anger, that envy or deceit was in me. And I couldn't get out and say, I've lied. God forgive me. And it stayed there and just worked. The next thing, oh, I'm feeling stomach pains and chest pains and headaches like this. And they, oh, it's, oh. See, the whole body is beginning to rend asunder. Cannot stand. I'm saying this emotional battle that we struggle with, my friends, 
Many people are sick in this world, not out of overt sinning by going out here and loose living in some particular way, although that will do it too. But I'm saying not that, not that. But it's just they're carrying these untrained, soulish emotions within them, and they're just knotted up. And yet on the outside, this is the strange thing about this dichotomy of the man. He may just be knotted up on the inside, but then he's trained, carefully trained. See, see now we've got to keep a good expression. Say like this here, and he's, oh, hi, hi. Well, you look a little strange, Jeremiah. No, everything's all right. No, no, just a little, didn't get quite as much sleep as I needed last night, and I'm just really feeling really great, really great. See, and then he gets home and says, oh, where's the Alka-Seltzer? Oh, no, this is a common thing among us, see, that this emotional battle is working and twisting and hurting and rending the body. All right, now, see how important soul training is. If for no other reason than to prolong your days with tranquility, hallelujah, that we can have that flowing life of love of the Lord Jesus Christ say, oh, it's good to be alive. Hallelujah. Now tell me something. Let me help you experience something. How many of you, when I talk about the gentleness of the Lord or the goodness of God or how precious it is to be sitting here one with another and talking about the things of God, how many of you kind of feel like inside say, yeah, that's, that's right. That's good. Did I see your hand? You feel kind of good about that? Yeah. Yeah, I feel good about that. Now I want to change this around one time. I'm just going to say some things. I'm not going to say it particularly anyway. Murder. Pillage. Rape. Anger. Vicious actions. Hatred. I know that some of you out there despise each other. I know that some of you here tonight are despising me. I know that. I know you. I know you. I know the way you think. I can see it on your faces. And I know you're here not to hear the word of God. I know you're here just to make trouble. I know that. See. Now tell me. You know I don't mean that, right? Uh-huh. See? You're not always sure I don't mean that. <laughs> now tell me, as you heard that, how many of you are going through a little funny change? Like, <laughs> let me see your hand. Can I see your hand? I... That's right. Yes. See, because we've lived in a world that's so full of that. We never know when this person who's smiling up here and saying, I love you, and I'm just filled with the life of Jesus Christ toward you and so forth, that you never know. Because, see, most of us live in that kind of funny, <laughs> funny way. That, see, we're saying on the outside, oh, wow, Jane and Joe, glad to see you. Boy, it's just been so long, and how are you? My, you just look so wonderful and so forth. And as soon as they get out there, they say, wow, we, where did those guys come from? Man, you know, I always, huh. <laughs> see? Now, obviously... Can't live that way without it doing something to you. Just, mm, mm, see? Because all the time you're like this, something is mm, 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 on the inside. That little voice which says, eat, 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 is also at another time saying, hate, hate, hate. Despise, despise, despise. Deceive, deceive, deceive. Now, God does not want us in that kind of a trap. Now, second part that we need to look at. 1 Corinthians 2. 11. Now we're going to deal with the second part, the spirit. Now I'm dealing with the spirit in this particular place only to reserve the soul for the last. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so the thoughts of God no one knows except the spirit of God. All right, now... Here again he's saying, who among men knows the thoughts of a man, all right, who knows my thoughts except my spirit? See, it is my spirit is the deep thought part of my being. All right, now, take a look at another scripture, Hebrews 4.12. For the word of God is living and active. Now, talk about this word. We're going to deal much about this in the process of soul training because the Word is the only thing that can do what has to be done. 
For the Word of God is living and active. King James says living and powerful, quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing. See, it is able to penetrate. Piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit, of both joints and marrow. See, the Word of God is able to penetrate. Another version I have here says penetrate to that dividing point between soul and spirit. And joints and marrow, it is able to affect the body. He sent his word and healed them. The word of God now. Joints and marrow and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. So now it is able to do certain things. But what I want us to look at here is the soul and the spirit, there is a dividing point between them. They are not the same thing. The soul is not the spirit, and the spirit is not the soul. You say, oh, they're all the same thing. What does it matter anyhow? Very important that you understand the distinction between them, because the Word of God is able to penetrate to that dividing point between them. You see, the majority of all man's problems are not just soulish in nature. Unless the spiritual is taken care of first, there is little that he can do in the realm of the soul. Now, there are sciences today which work to change the soul nature of man. They would not necessarily call it that. Sometimes they would call it the personality, or they would call it the psyche, or they would call it and so forth. And so they have many different names to describe various parts of it. And those sciences are like psychology, psychiatry, dealing with the psyche. All right. Now, all of these are valid enough sciences, if we take science as it properly should be. See, science is like this. A true scientist, he's an observer and a correlator of nature, and then he tries to develop a theory which fits all of those facts. For instance, he will look over here and he will take, like, say he has a golf ball, and he says, I wonder what would happen if I would open my fingers and let go of this golf ball. And so it falls down the ground. He says, it's amazing. And I've seen that before. Let's say he's a person from another planet or something. So he puts down in here, he says, I noticed that in a place called Face Center, on a Wednesday night, such and such a date and year, I let go of a golf ball, and the ball fell straight down, landed on the floor. I say, that's amazing. Now, I wonder if that phenomenon would happen in another place, or I wonder if it would go up over here. So I, he drops it here, same thing, same thing here and there. He goes to another country, he goes another up on top of a mountain, goes down the bottom of a cave someplace. It's amazing. I perceive a general rule that wherever I go and let go of this golf ball, then it falls down. I wonder if the same thing would happen with a rock. I wonder if the same thing would happen with a feather. I wonder if the same thing would... I perceive a much broader rule. Not only is it true of a golf ball, but it's also true of everything that I have tested. I now have a general rule that I'm ready to put forward. It seems like that things tend to fall down when they are let go. Why? Now here's where we get to maybe science falsely so-called. Why? Now when we ask ourselves that question, we now can go off into... A strange area and either come up with the right answer or a totally wrong answer and many many wrong answers down through the years scientists have propounded wise come up with their theories hypotheses ideas but those things may be right or may be wrong the only thing I tell you the only assurance we have of ever being right is that we know the Word of God is right in these matters now what the Word of God does tell me is that I need something that will do more than just talk to my head or try and retrain me with electric shocks to try and get me where I don't eat so much or I eat less or I eat more or I do something. I need something that can penetrate into the deepest part of my being and change me completely. And the Word of Man can never do that. The Word of Man is able to operate on a very light level it can change certain things if they're not very deeply ingrained, but most of us have deep twists in our spirit and our soul and even in our flesh. These things are the impress of sin is upon us. The impress of sin is in our mind. I'll show you this from other scriptures tonight. And we are deeply twisted individuals not knowing right from wrong. And there's no hope that we ever by our own mind, our own mentality can arrive at right or wrong. There's only one way we can arrive at right or wrong and arrive at truth, and that is to take the word of God, for in here is truth. Thy word is truth. Sanctify them through thy truth. All right, now, so we're studying then that there is a second part of man called the spirit. And that part of man is that part which was breathed into man. God breathed, the word breathe, pneuma, 
spirit in the Greek, he pneuma, breathed into his nostrils a breath of life, and man became a living psyche or suchi soul. All right. Now, the third part, soul. There are over 500 separate references in the Word of God to the soul. It is not a minor matter. Now, one of the principles of Bible understanding is to see how much emphasis the Holy Spirit gives to any particular subject. And this particular subject, over 500 references dealing with the soul. The soul is a profoundly important part of God's plan. And that soul has been twisted and turned improperly, and it must be a complete transformation take place in that soul. All right, now I want you to see what the soul does. In Proverbs 6.30, Men do not despise a thief if he steals to satisfy his soul when he is hungry. Satisfy his soul, see? Now why did he steal? Because he was hungry. Well, now, you see, we immediately jump to the conclusion. We say, what was hungry? His flesh was hungry. It was not his flesh that was hungry. It was his soul that was hungry. The flesh certainly needs to eat to energize and keep alive. That's a proper function of the body. But have you ever been hungry right after you ate? How many have ever experienced that? You eat, you eat, and you eat, and you're just stuffed and you can't move hardly at all, and you get up and you walk around a little bit and walk over the refrigerator open and say, what's good in there? Now you know it. It's not the flesh saying, I'm starving to death. I've got to have food. I'm going to die in the next minute if you don't give me some food. No, it's the soul that is not satisfied. So it says, men do not despise a thief if he steals to satisfy his soul when he is hungry. Now, no amount of food is able to satisfy that kind of a soul in turmoil. It can just eat and eat or says, I want nothing to eat at all. And it gets up and walks out and says, I have no appetite at all. It will even starve itself to death, go on long uh, hunger strikes and so forth and so on. Or it will glut itself, just eat, eat, eat to try and satisfy, but no satisfaction. But a meal of herbs where love is satisfying to the deepest part of the soul. Just a few things, because it's not eating these two things. A few things will take care of the body. But if it's surrounded with love, and love is pouring into it, and it's pouring out of itself, just a few things will take care of its deepest needs. All right? Take a look at Isaiah 29, 8. And it will be as when a hungry man dreams, behold, he is eating. But when he awakens, his soul hunger is not satisfied. Or as when a thirsty man dreams, behold, he is drinking. But when he awakens, behold, he is faint, and his thirst is not quenched. Thus the multitude of all the nations shall be who wage war against Mount Zion. His soul hath appetite, and yet it will not be satisfied, because he's out of tune with God. Now the soul has affection. I've already quoted that scripture, it's 1 Samuel 18.1, you might wish to look it up. It says, he loved Jonathan as his own soul. Matthew 22.37 is an important one I wish you to see. And said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind. Love God with what? Let's say it. All your heart. All your soul, all your mind. All right. Now, so the soul then is to be trained to love God with the whole of its being. The whole of that aspect, which is called soul, is to love God. Now, Psalm 42.2. Once again, David speaking here. Read verse 1. As a deer pants for the water brooks, so my soul pants for thee, O God. Now you see, his soul had been so caught up. This man who said to his soul on a different occasion, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. See, he's saying to it, Soul, do you hear that? Don't forget his benefits. He heals all of your diseases. 
He forgives all of your iniquities. He renews your youth as the eagle. He causes you to mount up with wings. Bless the Lord, O my soul. And see, the soul is like hearing that and saying, Oh, yes, 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 I hear that, I hear that, I hear that. Now he's saying his cry, he said, As the deer pants for the water brooks, so my soul pants for thee, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? See, he's saying, Oh, my soul longs for God. See, Well, now, there are times... When my soul does not long for God, I have to stir it up. I have to command it to bless the Lord. I have to command it to praise God. I have to remind it on my bed at night to praise the Lord. I have to remind it of what God has done. The soul lays there and says, oh, why does God do this to me? And oh, why am I going through these terrible things? Then I read over in the Bible, it says, rejoice when you fall in the manifold temptations. Rejoice if need be, if you be heaviness for a time. Rejoice evermore. See, my soul says, I'm not feeling like rejoicing. And boy, I tell you, this is heavy. And I don't know if I can stand any more of this. And I think I'm just going to fall away into nothing. And I know I'm going to die if God doesn't do something. Ever had experience like that? Especially at night. Sometimes you wake up in the middle of the night. You used to say, God wakes me up in the middle of the night. Well, sometimes the Lord has waken me up. But sometimes my soul woke me up. Wouldn't go to sleep. Wake up! What's the matter? Wow, things are going wrong here. And boy, this is heavy duty stuff. Man, I gotta get to sleep. Well, we're gonna have to talk about this. Oh, go to sleep. I'm laying there wide awake. Oh, wow. You know, finally, I gotta read about insomnia. You're getting insomnia. Yes, I'm getting insomnia. See, and so. Thank God. You know, I told my soul, I said, we're gonna pray. I went right back to sleep. Someone said, anytime he can't sleep, he reads the Bible, goes right to sleep. <laughs> so I so said, we're not going to do that again, are we? <laughs> Say, yes, you are, soul. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. Read the Word of God. That's what you need. Because that tells you, well, all right, if you say so. Right? Now, we're kind of a little humorous there, maybe, but uh, that's kind of like the way it is, too. And I've had this time say, sometimes when I've been just really, something has been pressing in heavy on me, and man, my stomach is just trembling. And I say, soul, be calm in the Lord. We've got a work that has to be done. In the name of the Lord Jesus, be at peace. We're okay. See? And the feeling just say, say, okay, now let's go do what we have to do. See? Your soul can be trained. It is not meant by God to tyrannize your life. It is not meant by God to rule over you. You are meant, under the Spirit of God, to rule this marvelous instrument called the soul. So that it will be an instrument of expression of the Spirit of God. You see, God, marvelous, wonderful expression of God, running the whole gamut of human experience and divine, eternal experience, is meant to be able to be expressed, not in the fullness, but in the quality and the kind of the nature of God. That you, through the promises of God, are partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption which is in the world through lust. And when you are born again, your spirit has been born. It has been renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. And a new life has entered in so that his spirit is born witness with our spirit that we are sons and daughters of the living God. The spirit rises of the spirit which has been dead. For death does not mean cessation of existence, but death means separation from, because of sin we have been separated from God, and now through the blood of Jesus Christ we are joined spirit to spirit. And our spirit which has been weak and trembling and frightened, and the soul tyrannizes and be still. Once in a while a little cry of the spirit would say, maybe there's a God somewhere, and the soul would say, don't be foolish. If you can't see it or feel it or taste it or touch it, there is no God. Now be silent. See, an emotion says, never mind about God. We're going to have our fling in life, and we're going to do this. And the will says, man, we're... See, the spirit, but isn't there? And somehow, in the marvelous grace of God, the spirit of God touches our spirit, and they're joined, and the spirit is able to rise up and say, now, soul, we're taking back the ground that God meant us to have. Now on, bless the Lord, 
O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. See, that's the principle that we're aiming toward. Now, soul hungers and thirsts. The soul has affections. The soul has pride. Psalm 35, 13, David said he humbled his soul with fasting. People need to understand about the nature of fasting. It's not a works trip but a very necessary part of Christian experience and should be practiced a great deal more than it is. Many people have never fasted a day in their life because their souls are very persuasive in this area. See, you say, I think I'm going to fast a meal. The soul immediately tells you you need to eat two extra meals to make up for the dangers of starvation. See? <laughs> Ever experienced that? I'm going to fast a meal? What happens to you? You become hungry. Now, why when you say I'm going to fast, does your body suddenly need food? Your body does need food. The soul is saying, hey, this may get serious. We better stack up on this quick. Eat, 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 eat. The person, huh, I don't know why I can't fast. Just have to, so forth and so on. That's right, see. All right. David, in Psalm 69, 10, says he chastened his soul with fasting. Sometimes your soul gets out of line. Say, I'm going to chasten you. Say, okay. You ever say, your child used to be not so much anymore. Wouldn't be a bad thing either. Sometimes in our present day time, too, young man sitting around there fooling around with food and won't do this and won't do that. Say, young man, you go to bed without your supper. Say, oh, you chastened him. That's right. Now, David said to his soul, young man, you're going to go to bed without supper. I chasten my soul with fasting. Say, for a longer period of time, place where that soul can be brought into line, learning its lessons in God. All right? Now, the soul can bless God. I've already used Psalms 103.1. And those that follow that, also like you to look at Psalms 35.9. And we see that the soul can be happy. It's meant to be happy. It's meant to be joyous or just literally jumping up and down. And you can see what a trained soul can do. Because the New Testament says, when men persecute you and revile you and say all manner of evil against you falsely, what are you supposed to do then? How many of you know the scripture? When men speak evil of you, revile you, say all manner of things against you falsely, what are you supposed to do? Rejoice and be exceeding glad. Now tell me, when somebody reviles you, persecutes you, and says all manner of evil against you, how many of you have now mastered this very simple scripture? <laughs> they, oh, no, we're going to say, I saw the way he looked at me. Oh, uh, I know I'm going to get fired. I know that I am. My wife, I know what she's going to do. She's going to ask me for more money for a fur coat. I can just see that right there. I know where my children are, too. They're just a little bitty thing. See, But the Bible says even when people say, all manner of evil against you, falsely for a sake. Do what? Rejoice. Well, that takes a pretty well-trained soul, believe me, to do that. That's not a, quote, natural thing. But it is a heavenly thing that God wants to bring us to. All right. Psalm 35, 9 says, and my soul shall rejoice in the Lord, it shall exult in his salvation, and my bones will say, Lord, who is like thee, who delivers the afflicted, see my flesh, my voice will be the expression. So my soul will exult in the Lord, and my body will express that, my voice will cry out those words. All right. The soul can not only be happy, but it can also be sad. Psalms 119.28 says, my soul melteth for heaviness. Psalm 42, 5, why art thou cast down, O my soul? Now he's speaking to it. Why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you depressed? We need to ask ourselves that sometimes. See, we come around, we make the mistake, we say, I am depressed. David did not say, I am depressed. He turned around and asked a question. He said, soul, why are you cast down? Now we need to learn to be able to take a look at that and say, well, now wait a minute, why are you cast down? Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. Bless the Lord and forget not all his benefit. Let us lift our hands and praise the Lord. See, we need to learn to do exactly these things. All right. Now, the soul can be sad. Psalm 40, why art thou cast down, O oh my soul? Why art thou disquieted within me? The soul can be deceived. Acts 15, 24. I think we should read that because you're seeing something once again in the New Testament here. The apostles speaking of those who went out and taught circumcision that the Gentiles must submit to the law of Moses and its ceremonialism and so forth. Acts 15, verse 24. Since we have heard that some of our number to whom we gave no instruction have disturbed you with their words, unsettling your souls. Now, the soul which was set upon God now became unsettled and greatly disturbed. 
or as 2 Peter 2.14. Shows a very dangerous thing that can take place. We've always discovered this too, by the way, that whenever a deceiver comes in, he always aims at the least strong. Always aims at one that is unstable. 2.14, having eyes full of adultery, that can never cease from sin, enticing what? Unstable souls. The soul untrained, just one time it's this, and the next time it's that, and the next time it's this, and the next time it's that. And then, see, now the Bible says we're to get to that place where we're no longer like children, blown about by every wind of doctrine. Or as the Bible says in another place, we're not to be double-minded men. See? But we are to, through the Word of God, to fix our minds on that single goal, Jesus and his purpose and vision for our lives. Or that we are to set our heart and to set our face like a flint, or that our eye is to be single, or that our... See, that's what he's speaking about. So that our whole spirit, soul, and body will be preserved complete and blameless to the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. But here, Peter is speaking about unstable souls. Now, he's not talking about unsaved souls, unstable souls. Or the Bible says that we're not to be double-minded. For a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Let not that man think he shall receive anything of the Lord. He has a, well, I think I believe this. Well, no, I know the preacher. Well, I think I, well, I feel this. Well, I think this. Well, today I, and he just, <laughs> no, God means that this whole being is to be a disciplined whole, trained of the Spirit of God. And you cooperating with the divine entity, the Spirit, cooperating through the Word, which is able to penetrate through the dividing point of soul and spirit, the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart, and bring your whole spirit and soul and body into line, so that when God speaks, the whole of the being responds and expresses the nature and the life and the message of the Eternal Father, Son, and Spirit. Now, that is what God is bringing to us. All kinds of ideas have sprung up in the end time, like... There are churches where everyone in the church is a slow grower. Someone said to me, well, he said, the people in your group are all fast growers, but all over here we're all slow growers. I said, you know, if we really would stop and think of some of the things that we say, we would not, you know, it's almost like saying all the children over here are very smart, but we're all over here, we're mentally retarded. See, now, we wouldn't say that, but actually what we're saying is we're all slow growers over here. Now, that is not proper. It simply means we have not given attention to growth like we should. Some of the specious arguments that I was at a certain place one time and a certain person said that they were waked up in the night and they said God told them that they were to do a certain thing in relationship to this party over here and that they were to make sure that that particular piece of property, they were to have that particular piece of property under certain terms. And they said, man, that's, boy, we, we know that to be sure. We've heard from God. And then the rest of the story goes that as this went on, the person said, God told us that we are to stay here for a year, but that it might not be a whole year, but it might be longer than a year. And so we're, we're waiting on God to tell us which it will be, a year or less or more. See, I say, boy, you know, our poor God up in heaven has a hard time. See, he's up there, here's this majesty of the Word of God, and he reaches out, he said, Ask me, and I will show thee great and mighty things to come. I will tell you the end from the beginning. I am the Lord that made heaven and earth. I know all things. His wisdom is infinite. His power is infinite. So forth and so on. And then he comes to dealing with us. He says, uh, um, um, Okay, Joe, uh, I want you to um, take that thing, and I want you to make sure this person gets it. Right, quick, yes, 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 right away. Starts to do it. Stop, 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 stop. Huh, I just had a second thought. Why don't you stay there a year? Oh, wait a minute now. May not be quite a year. May not be quite a year. Maybe longer than a year. Anyhow, you hang in there. As soon as I get some information, we'll pass it right down. No, no, no. Sometimes we reflect on the things that we're saying. See, that's why I say well, we're all slow growers, or we're all fast growers, or we're all no growers, or we're whatever thing. No, no, no. God is saying, look, he wants you to bring that soul, 
which has been completely and wrongfully trained. You're going to see that even so great a man as Peter the Apostle, before that tremendous work of conversion, he even had problems with it afterward. Paul had to withstand into the face because he was to be blamed, but a great work took place. The Lord spoke to Peter, said, Peter, when you are converted, strengthen your brother. In other words, when this work gets on, you strengthen your brother. But I want you to see how completely perverted the soul is. Our Lord Jesus Christ, Matthew 16, our Lord Jesus Christ said from that time forth, he began to show them how he would go up to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the Jews and there be crucified. And the Bible says, Peter took him and began to shake him and say, be this not so unto you, Lord. Now, notice, if you were looking at this, you would say, well, Peter's trying to shake some sense into Jesus. Jesus must have a death wish or a suicide wish or something. I'm talking about the worldly point of view. Or someone who would study to say, did you hear that? He's going to go up to Jerusalem. He wants to be crucified. He wants to hang on a cross. Very bad. It's a suicide wish, a death wish. We must do something about that. It's not, oh, there's Peter. What will Peter do? Peter says, no, Lord, you're not going to do this. I'm going to shake some sense into you, and I want you to stay here with me. And you say, look at that, Peter. Say, isn't that a wonderful man? He loves Jesus so much, he's trying to shake some sense into him. He's saying, no, Lord, you're my friend, and I love you, and we're going to stay together, and we're going to be together always, and I care for you, Lord, and I'm going to what? Now, notice what he says to Peter. See, he's speaking to Peter. Peter spoke those words, no, Lord. Now, see, the world looking at that say, look how Peter loved him. Jesus said, you offend me. Now, let me read some of these Versions, they put it a little different way. You offend me because you are not regarding the things of God, but the things of men. You offend me because you are not on the side of God, but of men. You offend me for these thoughts of mine are man's, not God's. You offend me because your outlook is not God's, but man's. You offend me because you are not intent on what pleases God, but what pleases men. You offend me, for you look at things not as God does, but as a man does. Thus signifying to the world that the way a man is trained to think is exactly the way Satan is trained to think. Now in the book of Isaiah, Isaiah 14, you're going to see how Satan thinks, and you'll see it's exactly the same kind of mentality. Now, our souls have been thoroughly trained in this satanic processing of thought. Isaiah 14, 13th verse, he's speaking here to Satan, Lucifer then, son of the morning. Verse 12, how you have fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning. You have been cut down to the earth, you who have weakened the nations. You have said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven. Now notice this principle, same thing that was said to Peter. I will ascend to heaven and will raise my throne above the stars of God. And I will sit on the mount of the assembly in the recesses of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. You notice that thing that puts my needs, my wants, my desires, my ambitions, my, 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 I, me, my, mine, that becomes the very center of being itself. Satan did not think he was, quote, doing bad things. I think he does not necessarily think he's doing bad things right now. Al Capone, years ago, when being taken over to Alcatraz Island to begin spending his sentence in prison, said as he was crossing the boat to some reporters who were there with him, said, this is what I get. All of my lifetime I tried to do nothing but make people a little happier, provide a little fun for their lives, and this is what they're doing to me. See, in his mind, he was not doing anything wrong. Murdered a few hundred people, destroyed people with drugs, prostitution, racketeering. What have I done? I just tried to make a few... Satan still thinks if he could take over the universe, he would do a real job. That's insanity. That's why the Bible says that you and I 
when we become converted, he has not given us the spirit of fear, but of love, power, and what's that third thing? A sound mind. See, a man before he's converted, he has an unsound mind. To put it another way, he's crazy. Now, why is he crazy? Because the center of his universe is himself. I, me, my, mine, I demand, you must give me, I just, you. See, it's always that way. Now, as he comes to the Lord, the Lord says, I am the Christ. I am Lord. Turn your eyes upon me. Behold me. Worship me. Praise me. See, and this little self-centered ball of flesh and soul and spirit. I, me, my, mine. Little by little I'm hearing and this is what caused the pain in us. My, I'm saying, see when I get saved I say, boy, now I see it. I never could have those things before. But boy, now that God's on my side, I'm going to get everything I ever really wanted in life. Now God give me this and God give me this and God give me this. And I, in the name of Jesus. And, see, I said, pretty soon God does that. You know, he said, oh, we're going to have a Sunday school picnic. No rain on Saturday. God clears all the clouds away. Wow. <laughs> I tell you, living for God is where it is because you get what you want when you're living for God. Like a big welfare program. God, like, see, then one day long, about five, six months, you pray in our will's prayers. God, no rain. We're going to have Saturday. I'm going out. Ah. Oh. You walk out there, suddenly out of nowhere comes the rain. Boom. boom. Oh, God, what happened to me? See, we're nothing. God's going to begin to train you so that your soul says, this is the day the Lord hath made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Amen? See? So now, here it rains. Say, oh, wow. What a rotten day. See? Now you're going to say, hallelujah. This is the day the Lord made. And in this day, he's built opportunities to express and glorify him. In this day, there's opportunities to witness for Jesus. In this day, there's opportunities to... Hey, and you're going to walk out there and say, what a glorious day this is. There are people around you with less trained souls or no trained souls who are going down and say, I'm getting out of Humboldt County, this crazy place. <laughs> and you're going along saying, hallelujah. Hey, what are you singing about? Why, this is the day the Lord has made. This day? See, but you see something they don't see because your soul is filled with the love of God and your soul is trained to say, bless the Lord, O oh my soul.